You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. There's no, no paper, there's no nothing. We're learning. We're learning. We're rolling. Welcome to episode 41 of the motherfucking podcast. Man, we're like living large. We have headphones now. I, yeah, I can hear myself. So like those of you who have been listening to episodes and have... It's so hip. It is so hip. The like the, the headphone splitter thing. What it looks like is it looks like a, um, a transfer station in a futuristic city. That like travels around through a series of tubes, you know what I mean? Like it's just like a cross piece in the uh, city center, and like when like a villain in a uh, sci-fi uh, dystopian futuristic sci-fi horror movie decides he wants to kill a bunch of people, he'll like blow up that transfer station, and people go flying all over the place. And I something just happened when you did that. <laughs> yeah, something weird happened. I don't know. Um, Maybe it was over here. Anyway, uh, welcome to the motherfucking yeah. podcast. We're uh, we're trying out some new equipment. We're trying a new um, four channel, uh, a, a new four channel interface. Thanks, mom and dad. That Aww. was very sweet. My parents got me a four channel interface for Christmas. It was very said, nice. Now you make your dreams come true, kid. They're like go and make your crazy shows and music and programs and. And silly voice shows. We love you, son. That's how my parents talk. If yeah. you've ever met them, you know that that's a, a factual. That is a that is a spot on impression of Mike and Bobby Sue Howell. You're close with your mom. It doesn't sound like your dad. Oh hi! Oh, that's my mom. Just like oh well, what? She has a really high voice. Yeah, she does. And then Dad's got a high voice too. He's way up here and super loud because my mom's deaf, so he's like had to talk loudly for his entire life. They're a match made in heaven. Uh, match made in Littleton. <laughs> match made, well, match made in southwest Denver, I'd say, because they, they, they met, um, oh, you know what? One time when my mom and dad were dating, I heard this story. My dad used to live in a trailer up in Boulder when uh, my mom and dad first started dating. And this is before he bought the house over on uh, Kearney, over by George Washington High School, where I was, uh, where I was born. Well, I wasn't born in the house, but where I was brought home to after I was born. Before that, my mom and dad were dating. Uh, my dad uh, owned a trailer up uh, just outside of Boulder, and my mom came over to the trailer once, and uh, they uh, they were getting ready to go on a date, and she couldn't get in through the front door. And she knocked or something, and he didn't hear her. Um, and so she was, like, going around to some of the windows and trying to find him. And my dad did hear that, heard the noise of someone peeking in the windows. And um, then my mom came around to the front of the house and saw my dad crawling around on the floor with two pistols in his hand. <laughs> because he thought that someone was trying to break into his trailer. And it was my mom there to, like, bring him some food or something like that. It was re- – I'll have to get my mom to tell me the exact story, but I definitely you know. Away? Hi, honey. Yeah, I definitely know my mom showed up for a date, and my dad was crawling around on the floor in a prone position with with a pistol in each hand. Nice. Yeah. He loves his guns. He sure does. He um, – one time some uh, – there was a party down the street at one of the neighbor's houses, and it was a bunch of the, the like, teenage kid of the neighbor's – uh, uh, yeah, it was the teenage kid of the neighbor and his friends and the cops came and broke up the party and so everybody scattered and one kid hopped fences two houses over and ended up in my parents backyard and was hiding out and my dad heard something outside and uh, heard my dog freaking out and woke up and uh, of course my dog at that time was a total chicken shit was too afraid to even bark right it was just like <laughs> whining and making noise so my dad heard something outside, so my dad grabs his badge and his gun and a flashlight, and he clips his badge in the waistband of his underwear, holds <laughs> nice. his gun up, holds his flashlight up, goes out the window, and chases this fucking kid 
down the street through the neighborhood yelling, stop, police, da 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 and shit like that. Like, Whoa. that was... That was legendary in our neighborhood. Just I people bet. waking up to my dad yelling, running down the street in his underwear. Like, do you know where Aaron Howell lives? Yeah, yeah, he's the one with the crazy guy that'll chase you down in his underwear with yeah. a gun. Yeah, yeah, don't fucking go in that yard. But yeah. there's a great pig roast this this month. Oh, you're that weird kid that lives with the crazy man. Crazy officer underwear is what they call. <laughs> I don't know. No one ever, no one ever said anything about that. They just thought it was funny because everybody knew my dad. He didn't have a nickname because it didn't happen to somebody else's dad. Right. If it would have happened to somebody else's dad, you would have came up with a nickname. Well, either that or they had nicknames, but they just didn't tell, tell me. You. Hey, what are you guys talking about? Nothing. <laughs> as soon as I show up. Old man underwear. Hey, uh, so welcome to the podcast. We're going to do a special series of episodes over the next few weeks. Um, we're not going to do a news section. We're not going to do a commentary section. We are going to talk about the storyline for our comic series, because in the last episode, yeah. Tony was asking me to kind of break down uh, the story of the comic as we were talking to Jake. Yeah, since it, we don't have it down to the elevator pitch. Yeah, we don't have it down to the elevator so pitch. So it takes a long time to but tell. But we, we do have it down to a con- conversation for sure. So, um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about that first. I want to get a couple things out of the way. I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors who um, helped this podcast happen. Oh, by the way, this is the motherfucking podcast, which is the official podcast of the Rock Combo, motherfucking Ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respectively. respectively. Um, I'd like you to know without the piece of paper, we're all over the place. Yeah, we're, yeah I know, right? Sponsors uh, right away. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Evergroove Studio, the greatest studio in the state of Colorado, if not the world, if not the universe, solar powered up in the beautiful hills of Evergreen, Colorado, affordable rates, top of the yard, uh, top of the line, state of the art equipment for uh, audio and video productions. They do live streams out of their studio and everything. Plus, it's it's beautiful, picturesque Evergreen, Colorado. Um, it's a great creative environment to go be in. Go make a record there. Uh, Flipside music. Yeah. Um, man, forget the big box stores. Just go to a place that has the stuff you actually want. Yeah. Um, tell Ike, oh, the boy sent you. Um, Batula Plumbing. Batula! Des Plaines, Illinois. Shit rolls downhill. Don't be at the bottom. Your number two is our bread and butter. Or your number two oh, is God. our number one priority. God, your shit you is our up. bread and butter. Oh, man. Uh, and Batula Plumbing, uh, Super Server Award. <laughs> Angie's uh, best. Uh, Angie's best super server award, 2011. That's right. Matula Plumbing. Tell Jerry the boy sent you. Uh, let's see. Mutiny Information Cafe. Of course, this is a mutiny transmission. Uh, mutiny Transmissions is a media service division of Mutiny Information Cafe on Two South Broadway in Denver, Colorado. It is a cultural mecca here in the heart of Denver. Books, records. Uh, coffee, comic books, live performances, um, uh, w- weird open mic comedy things that they do, and and open mic magic shows, and all and, sorts of stuff, and and uh, artistic presentations and political discussions, and man, just it's it's just a really cool place to go. I'll home. be meeting you at, at mutiny. mutiny. I'll meet you at mutiny. Do you speak mutinies? <laughs> we do. <laughs> Mutiny Information Cafe, Denver, Colorado. Uh, let's give it up, of course, uh, to the Nug Nation Studios, where we record this podcast, and where uh, where I work, and where I play, and where I where I make fun stuff. Um, pound for pound. Pound for pound. The best homegrown comedy in years. That quote comes, of course, from the Nugville Gazette. Come see, uh, come see the stories of the citizens of Nugville, Colorado. Uh, people that are like made of real weed, man. Hey, man, that's pretty cool. Man. That's pretty badass, man. Yeah, right. Check out what we're talking about on thenugnation.com. Um, did I forget anybody? We don't oh, have yeah. a show. Oh, Rocket Space Rehearsal yep. Studios, which is uh, the official practice space of motherfucking Ruckus. That's where we go practice. Uh, we're going over there in a little bit work on some stuff and of course the 32 brave souls who back us on patreon.com slash mf ruckus thank you so much for your support guys uh we couldn't do it without you now now one piece of news before we um before we get into the the meat and potatoes of the episode um so hank von hell canceled the tour 
Now this is this is something we might get into. Yep. Uh, the official word is that he has been unable to enter the country because of the um, because of the government shutdown here in the United States. That is because it's taking longer than expected. because it's taking longer than expected. Um, and uh, yeah, we we could talk about that all day, but. I don't know if that's really the case, but that's the official word. I have, I actually heard from the venue that there are multiple bands that are having trouble getting into the United States um, to do tours because of that going on. So mm. that has happened to Hank. Uh, at least that's the official word that we're told right now. We won't speculate, but the tour the immigrants ha- are taking all of our good jobs. I mean, look at the Rolling Stones. How much do they make when they come over to the United States every year? Yeah, man. Why don't Why don't you give them shows to an American band? Yeah, man. man I mean, <laughs> hell, me, me and me and my band, the the Swollen Bones, will play it. <laughs> The Swollen Bones. Denver's all over 60 tribute to the Rolling Stones, the Swollen Bones. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's disappointing, obviously. Um, but we're still going to show up and do a show. So all tickets for the event are going to be honored. Um, Dirty Few did drop off the show. So there, um, if you show up to the Oriental on January 26th, like if you're planning on flying. Are they doing refunds it, for that show? So yeah, they'll, they'll refund your money if you want. Um, but... Or you can hold on to your ticket. You can come to our show for free, and then also go see well, Hank it's not play. Really free, they already bought the ticket. Well, but they're also going to be good for the Hank show in June when oh. it's rescheduled for. How tight! So if you have a ticket to go see That's Hank good. Von Hell, I guess there's a hundred and eight of you out there who bought tickets for the Hank Von Hell show. Um, you can still use your ticket when the tour is uh, when the tour is rescheduled this coming June, and you can use it to get into our show at the Oriental on January 26th. There will, all, of course, be um, tickets on sale as well for ten bucks on the Oriental Theater's website. Yeah, we're going to be there, man. We're going to party. Yeah, you know? we're we're still going to go to work. We're still going to yeah. clock in. Um, we know there's people coming from out of town who are disappointed about the show. It's we will very, still be there. It's going to be a super interesting show too. Yeah, uh, well, since we lost two of the band, or three of the bands, because Hank, now that Hank canceled, Against the Grain's entire tour is canceled, and the Dirty Few just went, eh, so. Speaking of Against the Grain, uh, they spent so much fucking money on merch. Oh, yeah. Because of that tour, and now it's canceled until June. Yeah, so they've so got go, all So go this. to Against the Grain's website and try to buy some merch for them, because they got some cool merch, and <laughs> they need to make some of that. Well, back. dude, it, they're like... They put all their merch on a credit card thinking they would go make it back when they went on the tour. And they would. And now it's just sitting there accruing interest, and they're kind of screwed out of it. So um, go to against, uh, look up Against the Grain, Detroit online. I don't know their website off the top of my head, but they are selling all their tour merchandise. Lots of cool stuff up there. Check it out. Uh, but the Dirty Few, they're going to be just getting back from tour. They decided that they didn't really want to do it. So it's going to be us, uh, Hail Satan. Featuring Jake Fairley, who was on the last episode, who's illustrating the comic, and my baby brother's new project, uh, Head Trauma. They're going to be playing. So it's going to be a really fun show. Um, man, we'd love to see all you out there. It's, it's going to be a good time. So that's the news with that. Um, that's really all we have on the books right now. So we're going to get, now that we've got all that away at the top of the show. Finally. We're going to talk I mean, about. geez. We're going to talk about. Cheesy Pete's. The Front Lines of Good Times, the comic series. So, um, so if you don't know, and if you've been following this podcast for any amount of time, or you've been following our band for any amount of time, you probably know that we've been working on a serialized concept album and graphic novel called The Front Lines of Good Times. And uh, it, it's, it's a slowly rolling project, but uh, basically the whole premise behind it, uh, well, the, the whole reason, the whole intention behind it was because... The music market is so single-driven. We were sitting there going, you know, we put out an album, and there's really only a few songs that people really gravitate to, and the deeper cuts on the album don't really get as much life. So the idea was to create some sort of series that would feature different songs from albums that we put out. And uh, the it sort of evolved into this idea of, well, what could we do that we could put out in a in a... Uh, on a serialized basis, and I had this idea to do a graphic novel. Um, we've put out one episode so far. We're getting ready to put out our second, uh, yeah. our second issue and motion comic episode. Um, 
Josh Finley was doing uh, was originally the one who helped me conceive of the idea and did some of the initial uh, character design stuff. But uh, Josh didn't have time to to uh, do the project the way that we had really envisioned it. So we had uh, our buddy Jake Fairley, who was on the episode last week, take the reins. And so we thought it would be fun to do a three-part series where we walk you guys through some of the uh, the story points of the front lines of good times. We're gonna do this week. We're going to do we're gonna do volume one, book number one, uh, which is tentatively being called the front lines of good times, volume one, uh, mutants, marauders, and magic mamas. Because you gotta you gotta have three names. Why three names? Well. Because you got Star Wars, A New Hope, uh-huh. Empire Strikes Back, Last Jedi, or not Last Jedi, uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm going to get some that's, letters that's, about that that's one. That's four words, though. No, no. Titles. Two titles. Oh, Star yeah. Wars, A New Hope. I see. Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. So all, all the great all the great trilogies have two names. Um, uh, Lord what about, the, what Lord about Rocky the, 1 through 5? We already went over this, remember? They're not called anything. Yeah, we went over this. I know. And that's but Rocky is not a what I would consider a it's not a great trilogy, you know what I mean? It's just it's a bigger than it's, a it's just a franchise they tried to blow up into a whole bunch of movies. And they did a It's good not job. like it's not like Lord they of the Rings. They did a great job. Well, they did a great job, but it's in a completely different category. So like Lord of the Rings, you have the Fellowship of the Ring, the Two Towers, and the Return of the King, right? Well, actually there's I think there's more books in that universe by J.R.R. Tolkien, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But so we're doing three books. So today we're going to talk about book one. Next week we're going to talk about book two, and the following week we're going to talk about book three. All right. So in book number one, here we go. Book number one, basically, that this is the backstory. Okay. It's in the not so distant future. You, you don't need to do sound effects. I wanted to do sound <laughs> well, you're effects. Well, you're going to be doing wind sound effects for a long time. Until the scene changes, if you would get started, goddammit. Oh, I see. You want to do sound Christ. effects through the whole thing. No, I don't. I just want you to make color commentary. I'm definitely not going to do that now. <laughs> oh, because I, because I called attention to it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, I blew it. You fucking blew it. Mm. We'll see That's if it. I'm out of here. Um... So, yeah, so the first book goes like this. Basically, there has been, in the not-so-distant future, there has been a major extinction-level event um, that is just simply known as the Great Dying. And during the Great Dying, there is a completely random but completely notable rise in, in death in the world and all seemingly unconnected things like... It's just the overall amount of death in the world, uh, death rate has gone up and the birth rate has gone down. So there's an increase in cancer, slip and falls, uh, suicide, homicide. Um, there's more natural disasters. There's more, uh, there's more war. Basically, we start to see that, that nature it has decided to clean house. All right. Nature is basically thinning the herd. And over this time, the entire population of the earth is reduced by two thirds. Uh, kind of like, okay, you, you, doesn't, and nobody knows the reason for this great. Nobody dying. really knows the reason for it. It just. Do you know the reason for it? I know the reason for Ooh, it, but this. I'm not just going to give it away. Fine. No, there there is a reason to it. But basically, sure there is. no, there's a reason to it. Just let me write something down. Real quick. <laughs> no, there's a reason for it. But but human beings don't know what it is. All they know is that the birth rates are going down and the death rates are going up. And this is over the course of 10, 15, 20 years. So it really starts to pick up speed in the year 2020 is when the death rate starts to really spike and begin its climb. Over the course of that 20 years, you know, governments across the world collapse religions collapse basically when religious leaders are unable to produce answers and they begin, we begin to start seeing religious leaders kind of abandoning their flock and trying to save their own skin because even they don't understand it. So people begin to lose faith in organized religion. 
Um, there's a lot of panic. Uh, there's a lot of uh, acts of terror. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, clashes between uh, the governments that are trying to maintain control and the people who are rising up looking for answers and people who become you know overly nihilistic and start committing committing malevolent acts and looting and pillaging and all that type of stuff. And so a um, a new uh, military-based government comes into place uh, uh, with the promise to restore order. Okay, and they're called the uh, the new order of fundamentalist utilitarian nationalists, or no, no fun, fun for short. Yeah, they're called no fun for short, and they basically promise that they're going to restore order. And they begin to take over, and they do um, they do sort of what uh, Pol Pot did in in Cambodia in uh, back in the old days. Back in the old golden days, is uh, they they decide to round up all the what they consider to be enemies of the state, which includes members of the press and artists and musicians and. Uh, any, anything that they would consider to be a dissident, and they round them up and they excommunicate them. And they create these, these massive super cities where basically if you want to be safe, you have to stay in the super cities and obey their law. And every, everything outside of the walls of the super cities is kind of considered the outland or the no man's land. And the walls. I, for some reason, I pictured domes. No, I mean – I thought there were domes for some reason. I had thought of it more like – just big, like barbed wire fenced covered walls. Hmm. That's what I had imagined. And and it's different in every mega city. That's the thing, because there are like a handful of mega cities around the world. Like both coasts are completely wiped out in this story, right? Both uh so basically the United States has shrunk in size and um and a too much space junk in the atmosphere or uh, just at, like just outside the Earth's orbit has created a situation where we can no longer use GPS. We can no longer use broadband communication. We can no longer use any of these things. Right. And basically uh, communication has gone back to the way it would have been in like the 1970s. All right. So radio still exists. Television still exists. And like – Short range radio still exists, but there's there's no cell phones. There's no um, there's no like internet. You know what I mean? Like no, any, there's telephones though. There there are well there are yeah there are telephones. There are ways there are ways to communicate, but we don't have like satellite technology like we would before. Like basically, space junk. Like the overproliferation of space junk has created so basically humans can't couldn't leave the planet if they wanted to, hmm. which is a real concern. By the way, I, I, I found this out after I started looking into it, but I've been uh, I've been watching a lot of science videos, and there legitimately is concern with um, what we're going to do about the space junk problem uh, in Earth's orbit, and what we're going to do about not being able to get off the planet and stuff like that. I guess we can just stay here. <laughs> In this scenario, they're forced to stay here. Well, it, but that's the thing is like having that much space junk in there is like they're concerned that it'll wipe out global communications. Hmm. Like if we don't do something about it, right? So there's like there's like a few different ways that scientists are trying to deal with that. But so you have it, the me- you have the mega cities. But but in, but in the story, there's like a handful of mega cities where like the people who have been scared by the government are. Uh, this military fascist government are being piled into the cities and they're basically just giant, like just giant ghettos, just giant slums where, where, you know, social services are, are paltry and people are living in little tiny shacks and, and living conditions are just deplorable, but they're quote unquote safe. Anyone who's considered an enemy of the state, a criminal, an artist, whatever is out in the outland and is basically cut off from everyone and forced to fend for themselves. So what ends up happening is that is more like a Mad Max type of scenario where it's just like it's the Wild West. 
You know, there's uh, people just it's just, are, the, it's just the great outdoors. You yeah. just go out and survive. Yeah, you pretty much just go out and survive. And so people have formed loose bands together. There are um, like there, tri- like tribes or uh, yeah, like little, little tribes little and, and little townships and things like yeah. that. Little settlements, I guess you could call it. Um, and and so uh, the this very quickly. The like outland regions are kind of um, being run by gangs, essentially. So uh, criminals, gangsters are basically running everything, and uh, that's that's the setting for our story. Is one people have to find various ways to survive, and one of the ways that people survive is they live these nomadic lifestyles. Well, they're where they will travel around from settlement to settlement. And trade goods and provide services. One of those services is because there's limited technology to communicate ideas, and the only entertainment is what comes from the mega cities via radio, television, um, and uh, and and the other like small means is just like. Programming, propagandist programming that's coming out of the mega cities, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this demand for alter, uh, alternative forms of entertainment. So one of the things that you can do is you can be like a musician. You can be a musician or like a, a traveling minstrel of some sort, or, or uh, you can just stand on a box and read poetry or do comedy, social commentary, that side of stuff. Because com- comedians are also considered enemies of the state. You know, poets are considered enemies of the state. Right. Um, a, any sort of free thinker is considered an enemy of the state. Anyone who offers any sort of cri- criticism or commentary on social systems is considered is considered an enemy. So that's where we come in. So our band, Motherfucking Ruckus, we're traveling together as a band of musicians and traders. So we go around to these different uh, these different settlements, and we scavenge, and we go to these different kind of makeshift, um, you know, speakeasy clubs in these different uh, settlements, and um, and entertain people in exchange for meals and gasoline and and different supplies that we might need. Can we plug in amps? Yeah, there's still electric. Well, that's the thing. There is still electricity, but what's it run on? But it's 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 like run on generators. Like people people are mostly running off of generators so up by Riverside. I see. Yeah, and I mean, there that's, there that's are tight. I can live with that. There are power plants, but there's nobody really to run them. You know what I mean? Like, and there's no infrastructure to support them, and there's and, so the, and there's, everything, everything's pretty much in disrepair. There's there's probably a, a sanctuary somewhere by the Hoover Dam then. Because it produces so much electricity. Well, yeah, but there's there's think about something like the Hoover Dam, and and we definitely should add something in about the Hoover Dam. But who would run the Hoover Dam? You know, it takes a lot of people the city to run would. it. The 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 no fund government would. But they wouldn't have the resources to do it. It's a completely random selection. I see. You know what I mean? So there's is Chicago, only, one of them. There's only or is Denver, one of them. The, well, there's a there's a Chicago settlement and there's a Denver settlement. There's like, there's um, so you you think of like major cities that are kind of around. Like there would probably be one around Phoenix. Why? Because it's the Bay. Oh. At that point, it's like basically where people have escaped to because California has fallen into the ocean. And the East Coast has fallen into the ocean, so probably something like Nashville would be. Would be a holdout. So the Great Dying also raised the sea level. Well, the Great Dying affected for reasons that nobody knows at this point in the story. Okay. The Great Dying has shown up in all possible areas of death. Okay, like basically, like nature begins to thin the herd, and nobody is really sure why. Like, there's no reason to it, but the numbers definitely are going up. Gotcha. Um, so just during this time, it, 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 it seems completely unrelated. So the, co- the coast get eaten up, which is why Denver and Chicago. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the sea levels are rising, and there's... there's sea levels rise, meaning Chicago's dead, too, because we're right by the lake. That's a good point. Well, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Yeah, that's not going to come up in the story yet. 
So, um, so Den- yeah, Denver would probably be all so. Right. So the first, the first book, <laughs> it's not anywhere, you know. The the first, the first, yeah, that's the thing. So this is the analogy that I give in in the story. Is basically like you think about rats in a sewer. All right, if a sewer floods then a bunch of rats in the sewer are going to go to the highest point they can get to. So, like, if there's, like, a piece of driftwood in the sewer, all the rats are going to try and pile on top of it. But then you think of the same scenario, think about that as, like, an economic structure. Is because so many people are fleeing to this place and trying to get on top of it, the the economic structure collapses as well. The infrastructure collapses as well. Hmm. So all these people are fleeing to Colorado, to the Denver megacity, and it can't sustain them. There's just too many people for a limited and, and frankly, poorly vocationally skilled uh, group of people to sustain the number of people that are coming in. Because, because it's the, the whole population is reduced. So there's a, there's a, there's a lack in skillful personnel and different stratified across all different, um, Fields right. to to operate the infrastructure of the city. <clears throat> yeah, I get that. Okay. So um, so they're super crowded, you know, and and kind of just falling apart in miserable places to live. So in the Outlands, so the whole first book focuses on the conflict between the people in the Outlands. It's mostly about surviving in the Outlands in the environment of corruption and oppression from not only warring gangs, but also the government has more or less left the people in the outland to their own devices until this point. Now, at this point, they have started um, basically utilizing the warlords and gangs and marauder uh, chieftains to... Um, govern the people out in the outlands to keep like an uprising for ha- from happening or no fun is from... employing the head the head gangsters the, the heads gangsters. the heads of the different gangs and stuff like that right so basically what are they what's the incentive well the in- the incentive is like there's there's a hundred different incentives um, food gasoline resources um, so the government's uh, trying to build further out and have the have the have the well, control before they it's eat. it's the same thing it's the same model as as slavery okay you want to control a group of slaves and you want to prevent a slave uprising you promote a certain percentage of the population to become overseers Okay. I see. Like uh, so, like, so like, uh, like England, medieval England. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like, yeah, like in medieval England, or like in American slavery, where basically there used to be white slaves and black slaves, and they create, and everybody was kind of in this indentured, uh, this indentured servitude um, pact, right? And what they found is that people were unifying and um, and having slave revolts. So what they started doing is taking the Irish, English, Dutch um, uh, indentured servants that they had, and they were going, hey, you know, we know you'd like a better place to live, and we know you'd like better food, so we're going to promote you to keep an eye on these other slaves. So that's where you get overseers, is basically they're still indentured servants, they're still poor as shit, but they have slightly better lives than the slaves they're they're running around controlling. Hmm. That's like how that model works. So you've got basically this government is has deputized these gangsters to like keep order for them. Um so and that's where we're we're at. So that's a very that's a very real part of the uh the the situation. Now we find ourselves we're just traveling around through the outland, trying to mind our own business, trying to survive, just banding together because we have to out of survival and trying to make it work. So we go to these different clubs, these different these different outposts, these different uh, trade centers, settlements, whatever you want to call them, around the country. And we perform in the various cantinas and uh, and little like public houses and gathering houses that they have, you know, in these different encampments. And uh, and we perform music and we trade goods and we and uh, we network and and 
And that's, that's how we sustain our lives out in that area. Um, while doing this, we encounter a couple of smugglers who tried to enlist our help in smuggling some... I told you to put that on airplane mode. It's on airplane mode. <laughs> I, no, I'm just... Anyway. Anyway. Back um, to the story without sound effects. Um, I forgot where I was. Where was I? Oh, okay. So we're playing, we're playing these various clubs and stuff like that. Yes. And while we're in one particular club, um, we, are, we are approached by these two smugglers who have some sort of valuable cargo that they're looking to transport. And um, they need basically uh, – they need a front. They need a cover story um, because the, gov- the sweeping government patrols that go out and patrol the outland once in a while looking for people who are making trouble even though they more or less leave people alone. They go in and they, they meddle a little bit from time to time and their involvement has been ramping up over time. They're just, As they've been looking for smugglers and things like that. Right. People who are smuggling information that might like cause star, an uprising. Like, like or stormtroopers. Yeah, pretty much. Just kind of looking. Yeah. So they're out looking around. So we are confronted. Uh, we are approached by these smugglers who are uh, looking for a crew, basically, so that they are flying under the radar of these sweeping patrols. Um, because these patrols aren't looking for just groups of musicians and traders. They're looking for people that are actually smuggling in information. So these guys approach us, and we're just like, no, we're not interested, blah, 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 blah. Well, at this club, when, uh, when we're approached by these guys, there's a raid, and the raid blows up the club, and during the raid, our vehicle, our van, is taken and when the van is taken, we're basically put in this position where we have to escape the raid. And our only way out of there is these two <laughs> smuggler guys pull up and they're like, hey, I got a safe ride for you. Come on. Yeah. So we hop in with these two smugglers. And while we're escaping, we crash into something on the highway. Okay. Something. We crash into something. And I, I, I noticed that you're leaving a lot of key details no, on, I'm getting on, pur- to it. on purpose. I'm getting to it. Um, while, while we are, uh, we, so we crash into something, we hit something, we think it's an animal. We get out to check what it is. Um, because it almost kind of looks like a person. We're not really sure. It's just mostly a blur, but we get out and we notice that it's a, it's a service droid. Oh, thank God. Uh, we find this service droid and we're like, we're like, oh, we fucked this thing up. We should just get out of here. And the smuggler guys that are with us are like, no, we need to take this thing and wipe its memory or, and, or get rid of its tracking device or its, its basically recording uh, array because otherwise its owner is going to know how to find us. And I know who owns – and they say, <laughs> we know who owns this droid. And believe me, you do not want them finding you. While we're arguing and discussing about it, the droid drum- jumps up. And goes scrambling into the woods. And we're like, fuck. Well, we can't let this thing get away. And we kind of argue amongst ourselves, and we're like, we got to get out of here. And these guys are like, no, trust me. You do not want this droid getting back to its owner. We need to do something about it, or they're going to come after us. So we go, we go chasing the droid into the woods. While we're chasing it, its beacon is picked up and is intercepted by uh, some thugs that work for one of the big uh, warlords in town. There are warlords out in the outland. Yeah, one of the gang leaders. And they uh, they take us prisoner. And we're brought before um, the Holy Trinity. Now, the Holy Trinity is one technically mutant organism with three uh, separate uh, consciousnesses. Gotcha. So basic, basically, it's it's basically a three-headed monster that that uh, occupies one one entity, one body. I, no, yeah, right. And these three consciousnesses <laughs> want to kill each other, like they like they're each like constantly in a battle with one another. But if one head is cut off, all three will die. So basically, they have to live together and have to occupy the same thing, right? Okay. 
So the Holy Triumvirate um, tells us, basically, you're going to do a favor for me or I'm going to kill these smugglers. And I'm going to turn them over to the to the military, and and these guys are enemies of the state. And if you guys don't do what I say, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill them. And um, at first, we're like we're like we don't even know these guys. Do whatever you want. We don't care, you know. But then we find out that like we're on our way out the door, and they're like, and we can get you your van back. And now they have our attention. <laughs> basically, oh, now you got basically. Basically, if we help them out, we're going to save these guys' lives, and we're going to get we're going to get our van back. Okay, that all sounds good. Yeah, and uh, so they tell us they tell us of this other um, gang leader that they've been warring with, and all their assassination attempts attempts have failed, and they cannot use one of their own agents. Because um, then that'll cause an uprising and people will come back over them. So they need someone that the they need to use like a regular citizen that no one will see coming uh, to carry out this assassination attempt on this other gang leader. So they set us out to um, to visit a village of a tribe of uh, Amazonian priestesses, basically. Like, it's this tribe of warrior women, and the head of this uh, tribe of warrior women is this, um, is this head priestess uh, medicine woman by the name of Sunbow, okay? And Sunbow shows us, gives us mushrooms, and shows us a vision— Shows us a it shows us uh, shows us a vision of basically this like seedy underbelly of the gang war. And the seedy underbelly of the gang war is basically in. Who would have thought that a gang war would have a seedy? Underbelly? Well, but it's got it's got a much more it's it's much more than just speakeasies and gambling and um, prostitution and and violence. Like it goes deeper than that. It's not just the Wild West. There's like a much darker side to it. And that much darker side is human trafficking. It's basically since um, since the death rate has gone up and the birth rate has gone down, there's almost nobody in this world who uh, is fertile, who can have children. But there's rumors that there are a few um, there are a few fertile uh, women left in the world that can still have babies and their value would be unprecedented. Like basically they would be the most valuable thing in the world if they were discovered. Like, like whoever had the ability to make more people would, would, would be able to um, impose a lot of control, would be able to do a lot of things. Right. Because then they could study it and they could repopulate the earth. Um, and build up their numbers and save the human race. You know yeah, what I so, mean. So, so we we meet these people. Okay. So, so basically, well, no, no, no. These the, this vision is shown to us that basically both of these gang leaders are um, in a war for basically uh, possession of um, these breeders, like in this like this like human trafficking war. And basically, if you if you can't breed, you're executed. Um, if you can't, if any woman who can breed is discovered, she uh, she will basically be forced to breed until <coughs> she can't anymore, and then she'll be executed. So it's this really fucked Jesus. up situation in the camp um, where Sunbow uh, reigns is one woman who is carrying a child, hmm. and basically. If if the triumvirate finds them, they'll take her. You know, if this other guy, the rat, the king of the hive, um, he finds her. if he finds her, he'll he'll take her. And, and basically it's this it's this really fucked up situation. So then the stakes have been amped up and we're like, we're like, OK, well, we got to do something to help out. So Sunbow sends us to this old library where there is uh, supposedly a um, uh, 
there's an uh, uh, an ancient senate. Like there's there's uh, uh, there's a panel of um, ancient wise men who are supposed to be able to help us out in our mission, right? And we have to go out there and find it. There's going to be basically these these warriors who are going to be able to help us out. So we begin. Exp- uh, so they send us out to this ancient library, and we begin exploring the ruins of the library. And while we're down there, we find the Hall of Champions, by, quite by accident. And the Hall of Champions is run is uh, consists of a giant hall full of the ghosts of rock stars past, like Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury, Dio, Bon Scott, but. Keep in mind, this is after the end of the world where two-thirds of the Earth's population is dead. So a bunch of artists that aren't really dead yet are dead and in this place, right? It's called Cleveland. Yeah. It's at the Hall of Fame. Well, no, like like, like ba- ba- basically the dudes from ZZ Top are there and Gene and Dean Ween and Mike Patton and Slash and, and, and all these – and Stevie Ray Vaughan and all these guys are down there, right? And um, – they get it in their heads that we are this um, we are this group of uh, warriors that are prophesized to like save the world or whatever. And then this wizard that kind of oversees the whole thing, he uh, like they're 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 oh man, I don't want to give away too much. Don't give away too much. I won't give away too much. But um, so basically, a bunch of stuff happens <laughs> that I won't go into. And we end up uh, we end up getting um, getting out of there, and we are directed to a chemist, and this chemist is supposed to give us a concoction that we can use to assassinate um, the leader of the hive. So this this warring gang, and the whole plan is basically if we can figure out a way to assassinate both of these guys. Like both of these violent leaders, it'll end a lot of oppression. We'll be able to free some of the the people who have been captured and enslaved, and everybody will live happily ever after, right? So we go, we go to um, go to the hive, and we manage to we manage to free everybody that's in there. You know, everybody who's been captured, like all the, yeah. all the, all the women that are being held for breeding purposes and stuff like that, but. After we free him and we're about to leave, we have this thought of, like, even if we save these women, these guys are still going to come after uh, come after these women again. Or they'll get more women or they'll collect them up. You know, it'll never stop. The oppression will continue. Right. So we have to see it through and we have to kill these guys. Whoa. So basically uh, the story ends – with book with, one uh, ends well. Well, book one ends with uh, us basically going into battle with these two. Well, um, that's it. These two. That's the end of book one. Gang tribes. Yeah. So that's the end of book well, one. All right. Oh, it's time. Is it time? It's about that time. Yeah. So that is that's, a that's very a... that is a very rough uh, summary of book one. Book one of the front lines of good times. What's the subtitle? Mutants, Marauders, and Magic Mamas. And Magic Mamas. All right. Oh. Guys. You know what? I think Gordo's got something. But before we, before we close the episode, Gordo has a, a presentation he wants to do for us. So and keep on. in mind, Gordo, you're coming into a room where I just ripped a fart. I can't smell so, it. You can't smell it? Good Lord, what happened in here? <laughs> okay. All right. Just real quick, like. All right, this, what I'm holding in my hand, as you can see, is the Dick Punch trophy, okay? Now, let me explain a little something to you, okay? Tommy Williams, Black Belt Classic. It's Tommy Williams. There's flames. I I don't even know really how to properly do it justice through an audio format. You can't do it. It's incredible. You'll just have to take a picture and put it on the site or something. But um, uh, down at the base, it says... Here comes the dick punch, okay? <laughs> and uh, pass it on. Pass on it side, on written okay? on the side. So check this out. I got this. I received this. I was bestowed this. 
<laughs> by Randall oh. Conrad Olinger at the Westport Roots Festival in 2016. Okay. <laughs> and like, I was just so honored. I didn't even know what to do. So it sat in my basement for a long time. And I kept thinking, man, I, I got to pass this on. And then I was like, well, this you know is what? Beautiful. And, I, and I thought of you guys. I was like, I'm going to pass it on to these guys. And this was like a year ago. What? But it it's got, got a lost giant... in my closet. It got <laughs> lost in my closet and it, it got lost behind a shoebox. And I kept looking for it and I was like, what? Where did this dick punch trophy go? So, what, is, what does one have to do to earn the dick punch trophy? Okay, very trophy. good question. You simply have to be. Uh, a band of of touring function. You, you have to be you have to be playing shows around, right? All right. I think that Randy got this originally from the Tejon Street Corner Thieves. Okay, and I think it got passed around quite a bit before that. I don't know what the whole history is. It and nobody signs their name on it or anything. Yeah, no, it doesn't come with any explanation. Other no than explanation. Pass it on. So I'm passing this on to you. Thank you. I think we're honored. And I think we're honored. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks, Gordo. Oh my god. Just what I never knew I wanted. Well, that's a good way to end it. That's how we're wow. going to show with the trophy. So, never did I think that telling a story I mean, we don't we don't get this for the story. We just get this for for being a cool a cool bunch of guys, right? I think we just get it for knowing him and touring or playing shows with him. Well, yeah. we will proudly display it. <laughs> He's nodding in it. Yeah, he. Thank, that's what thank it is. you for the. Uh, here comes the dick punch trophy. We will make sure that we pass it on to someone who is who has definitely earned it. Yeah, we'll give, we'll give it a couple years of, of relishing in it and then pass it on. You know. Well, hey guys, we got to go to practice. But thanks for listening to this special episode of the podcast. Uh, I hope it wasn't too meandering and too vague. That's what this whole podcast is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got to pee really bad, so we're going to go ahead and say goodnight. Thanks again to all the patrons. Thanks yeah. again to all the sponsors. Thank you to Gordo in the yeah. booth. Thank it's... you to Adam Zelinsky for jumping in last week and uh, helping us produce uh, post-produce the episode. Thanks, of course, to our producer in Gene Chicago, Skibbins. Gene Skibbins. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, thanks for listening to the motherfucking podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Tony. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Listening to a mutiny transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 